Today we're talking about a, uh, an episode in the scripture that's very interesting. Um, it's one of those, those scriptures to me that goes, huh, what's going on here? The kids talked about it last week in the back, so we wanted to kind of reinforce that. And so if you get confused, parents, your kids will be able to tell you all about what needs to happen. All right, that's, that's how this will work. Uh, so you just say, can I, can I get some clarification on that over lunch or whatever? And they'll, they'll let you know exactly what's going on. The episode we're talking about is a healing at the pool of Bethesda. And that's a fun word. The healing of the pool of Bethesda. There's all kinds of hospitals called Bethesda. Uh, this, that's where all this comes from, from this moment of this healing. At this time, in John chapter 5, if you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever, go ahead and turn there. But John chapter 5, there's this question that Jesus asks. He asks it of the guy sitting there, but I think he asks it of us today. And it's this very poignant question. Do you want to get well? And the easy answer, of course, is always, oh yeah. But do we really want to get well? So that's the question we're going to ask ourselves and ask our families today. Do we want to get, well, John 5, 1 through 5 says this. <clears throat> Some time later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate is a pool, which in Aramaic, is Aramaic, which is a language that was used then, is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five color, cover, yeah, can't read, Five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who had been there for an invalid for 38 years. One was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in the condition for a long time, he asked, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now I have some pictures for you to show you what the Pool of Bethesda looks like. And I got my handy-dandy little pointer, so we're excited today. All right, this is the Pool of Bethesda. The water comes out of this and fills up. And then it would actually float up a lot, lot bigger. But during, this is it kind of during the drier season. And during the wet season, there's water all standing in, in here. This is the pool of Bethesda. Of course, it's down farther because over the last 2,000 years, people have built and built and built and built. But that would have been uh, close to uh, right here. This wall here would have been uh, kind of level. And then you would have walked down to the pool because, of course, water is lower than uh, everything else. So... Is that helpful, what the Pool of Bethesda would have looked like? All right, this is one of the uh, most important places in Jerusalem because it's a natural water source. Um, so that's, that's very important when you're a walled city and you might be besieged. That's really important. So, uh, yes, you even got pictures today, okay? So this is the pool. And so people would have been lined around here, all here, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. There was a myth, a Jewish myth, that if the water started bubbling up, that if you were the first person to do a cannonball in it, you got healed. And so 
people would crowd around this spot and go, okay, if the water's bubbling, and you could see all these people just kind of like trying to get in the water. They were desperate for it. It was kind of like the healing lottery. If you're the first one in, you got it. Now, there's not really reports of it actually happening. The first person getting in there got healed, but it was this myth, this idea that if I could be the first person while that was up, I could get healed. They're desperate for it. Well, this is one of, there's important things, clues in the scripture of what's going on here. This guy, it is during one of the Jewish festivals. And if you've been here during Easter, you know that during the festivals, the town of Jerusalem, that was normally about 50,000 people, would triple in size. So you can imagine if you are stationing yourself outside one of the two natural springs in Jerusalem when all kinds of strangers are coming in town, where's the best way to hit some people up for money? Right? And so this place is crowded. It's near the Sheep Gate, which is one of the main entrances and exits out of Jerusalem. So all the visitors and the temple, if, uh, I got my pointer, if, if, if the pool is here, the Sheep Gate, it would be up here and the temple is in this area here. So it's kind of, it's really down on the, uh, kind of the, the busy part of town. This is down Main Street, basically. So everyone would have been going past. And Jesus is not the exception. He's walking past there. He's kind of probably just looking over at all the people who need his touch and go, there's a guy. Let's talk to him. So that's what's going on here. Isn't that, that, that help you set the stage of what's happening in this moment. The question is, do you want to get well. Immediately, the man's response is, I can't. I don't. I'm not. The immediate response to, do you want to get well, is, I got this thing, I got that. It's an excuse. And if we're really honest with ourselves, I think sometimes when we are bringing up, do we are asked the question, do you want to get well? Excuses are the first things that come out of our mouth. Even with this guy here, his first response, he's not at the well really to get better. He's not at the well to get better. He's at the well for pity. He's at the well, and that's the way he's going to provide for himself. He's at the well for pity. He's not ready for the question, do you want to get well? If we're honest with ourselves, what's our answer to that question? Are we looking for pity or are we looking for healing? The man then switches into a different way of thinking. And it's pretty quick, and it's beautiful to watch in here. Before I go there, I want to talk about for ourselves. When we're asked the question, do we want life to be better? Do we want to take the next step? Do we want to do these things? What's our our immediate response? I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I'd have to give up this. Do I want my marriages to be better? Well, I don't want to. And do I want want to get better grades at school? I don't like to read. You know, do, do I... We give these excuses. It'd be amazing. You'd be amazed at the amount of people who come into my office and ask, Jared, I really want to get closer to God. What can I do to get closer to God? All right. You need this Bible thing. You need to read it. It's God's word for you. I don't really like to read. 
Every time. Every single time. I, reading's not my thing. But it's God's word. Like he, he gift wrapped it in leather for you. <laughs> read, read, read it. Um, and so I say to you again today in another way, if you want to get closer to God, read the Bible. Um, and it's really fun to answer the questions that you guys have. When uh, I always know people who are engage, actively engaging in the Bible because they have all kinds of questions. Because you get confused. And I totally, I love that. I love it, I love it, I love it. Um, anyway, got on a high horse there for a second. We'll get off. <clears throat> if we want miracles to happen in our lives, if we want to take this to the next level, if we want to actually get well, there's a few things that we can do that we need to position our heart for, just like this man at the pool. First thing is this. Miracles happen when we obey God. Miracles happen when we obey God. Miracles happen when we obey God. Could you imagine being this guy? He's been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time of sitting there. That's a long time to be dealing with the jokes. That's a long time of being spat at. That's a long time of being discarded. That's a long time to be in the guy who's, oh, well, Johnny, we got to carry him wherever we're going. That's a long time. And so we have to think about, for 38 years, this has all been going on. He's got to be thinking in his head, what's the trick here? What's this guy's angle? Why is he, why did he pick on me? There's all these guys around here. There's the blind, George over here is blind. Why didn't he pick on George? Right? There had to be this narrative in his head going, what, what's going on here? But he chooses obedience. He chooses obedience. Miracles happen when we obey God. It doesn't matter if you're, you're five or 50, obedience is hard, Right? There's this, this thing, we always have excuses on obedience. I don't really want to do that because I have a better way of doing it. I don't want to, I don't know if that's the way I really would like to do it. Nothing drives me more insane with my son than the, the issue of obedience. He's a great kid, but I want you to do it. The problem is he's creative like his father, and he wants to come up with six other ways in which to do said project. <laughs> he's smiling right now because he's like, exactly, you do understand. Oh, I understand. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Right? Miracles happen when we obey. There has to be a moment in our life when we go from excuse to obedience. Miracles happen when we're teachable. Miracles happen when we are teachable. We have to be willing to learn new things. This guy, once he realizes Jesus isn't trying to make fun of him, like his mind switches. Like he goes from excuse to all of a sudden like, wait, 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 wait. I'm willing to do it. I am paralyzed. Get this. He is paralyzed. He's willing to throw himself into a body of water. He wants to get well. Right? Think about the, the silliness of that idea. I told you guys before, maybe you don't remember or not, but at a state swim meet, after I swam my event, I got out of the pool and I went to the cool down pool and I jumped in the cool down pool. The problem with jumping in the cool down pool is it's the Olympic diving pool. That's like 50 feet deep. 
Jared's whole body cramped up. And so here, with some of the best swimmers in the world, I'm going to drown. (laughs) I am two feet from the wall. I cannot move my legs. I'm just slowly... Like, I finally kind of like threw myself up out of the water. The lifeguard is sitting here like, what is wrong with you? I was like, but like everything locked up. I couldn't go. That's a terrifying feeling. This guy, he's willing to just say, you know what? I don't care. I want to be better. And that's the kind of spirit we have to have in us that I don't, whatever the consequences, I want to get well. He has the switch in his mentality of he's going to be teachable. The question I came up with, kind of thinking through this again this morning was, how many opportunities do we miss because we think we know what we're doing? How many opportunities do we miss because we think we know what we're doing? And dads, uh, I think this has to do with directions. Right? How many times have we broken something that was perfectly fine? We just didn't want to read the directions. Paul's like, don't talk about me. <laughs> right? We, there was a whole, I don't know, Peppa Pig or whatever. There's a whole cartoon the other day on just reading the directions. Oh, the, everything works out better when you're. And I was like, this is a stupid cartoon. I want to read directions. But how many opportunities do we miss because we're not willing to be taught? Does this have ramifications for our marriage? Does this have ramifications for our parenting? For maybe, a, do we miss a promotion at work because we weren't willing to be teachable? Do we miss times with our kids because we, we refuse to be teachable? I'll tell you what, your kids can teach you a whole lot about all kinds of things. You will learn magic. You will learn how things are, how, how God really created things if you just listen to your children. A third thing I want to talk about that that switches is miracles happen when we are available. Miracles happen when we are available. This guy excels at being available. He has nothing but time, right? He has nothing else going on except chilling at the pool that he can't get into because he'll drown. He is available. But that asks, especially for us dads, I think this is one that we really struggle with. We want to put things on our shoulders and just go, and we make ourselves just bodies of work and not bodies that are available. And we're not available to our kids, and we're not available to our spouses, and we're not available to anybody else because we've just got to get it done. And this, we miss out on the miracles that can happen in our lives because we're not available. I have two stories for you on that. I'm going to try my first hockey illustration. I'm all excited, right? I might butcher it, but that's okay. I used to play, it's not even real hockey, but this is as close I've gotten, okay? Um, When I was was in high school, my high school uh, assistant swim coach also played on a semi-pro hockey team. So he was really good. The rest of us didn't know Jack Swat. He's a little guy. Little guy really fast on his rollerblades. The rest of us were pretty muscular because we were swimming all the time and lifting weights all the time. And so outside of the pool and not with rollerblades on, we just Beat the tire out of this guy. He's like 22. We thought he was an old man. We were 17. And we would just be, you know, mess him up when we were doing stuff. But then he said, all right, guys, I want to teach you a new sport, roller hockey. And so I, my dad being a pastor, we had access to the big church parking lot, which was great until they resealed it. 
Once they resealed it, we played fall down. That's what we played after that. Okay. But before they resealed it, we're, we're running around and we're playing um, roller hockey. And it's good time. Until he decided, okay, we're going to teach you how to play. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. I said, what does he mean, keep your head up? The ball's down here. I got I to look at that. I'm trying to rollerblade. This is bad. Boom. Chuck just blew us up. This little five-foot-nothing guy would just wreck us. Just, um, just get low and the whole thing. Right? Just wreck you. Keep your head up. And he would give you one warning. Keep your head up. If you heard that, you were good. Who cares what's going to happen? And you just, you just had to get your head up. Because why? You're not looking to, paying attention to your surroundings. Right? And so often, dads, we get on that puck, and we're going to go score, and we don't care that there's a Mack truck coming and going to check us into the wall, do we? And we get confused with that. Now I'll get to something I'm a little more comfortable with. i got basketball here, okay? But with, same thing if you watch the finals this week which I know you guys were watching the finals of the Hawks and not the finals of, of basketball. But if you watch that, you always knew, everybody in the stadium knew what LeBron James was going to do when he put his shoulder down like this and picked up the ball, which he should have been a running back as much as he walks, but that's here nor there. So he, he would do this, and you knew he's not going to pass the ball. He's doing one thing only. And so they put eight people in the lane and go like this, and it's not hard to sh- stop him when that happens. But when LeBron James, he's amazing at finding open people. When he doesn't do this and keeps his head up, anybody on the, on the floor can be made better. The worst player on that team. They shouldn't have been in that finals. They lost everybody on their team except him. They had nobodies with them. But when he kept his head up, he's facilitating these amazing passes like Magic Johnson and making everybody better. And these guys, they, all, they could have won the NBA finals with nobody on the team because their best player, the leader kept his head up and made sure who's available at this time, who can score in this situation. Dads, we got to keep our heads up. We get in this. I get in this. I'm going to get this done. Kevin Colbert, I was doing a project here at the church, and I just put my head down and started doing it. He looked at my dad, and he goes, kind of like a bulldog, ain't he? Just won't, won't let go once he starts. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, thank you for that. Um, and that's, that's true, and dads, we, get, we fall into that. This is my job. I'm going to get it done. I don't care. Except we wreck the things around us. We, we break the stuff sometimes around us, or we just don't even see how we can elevate the people around us. Are we available? Miracles happen when we're available. Who can we pass it to? Who can we look to? Who can we elevate? Who can we make maybe somebody who's not a star all of a sudden on the top 10 of Sports Center? This is our job as dads. This is what we get to do. Miracles happen when we're available. That's not just for dads. That's for everybody. Maybe kids, there's people in your classes that you can elevate, that you can get your head up and look around. Maybe there's people all in our lives that if we're just available to the miracles God wants to do in our lives, we can see them all around us. Today is a day that God is telling us and asking us, Do you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? And the answer to that question comes through, are we willing to be teachable? Are we willing to be available? And are we willing to obey? As we think through this Father's Day, as we maybe enjoy our backyard and some hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill if it doesn't rain on us, 
Just think, am I, am I available? Am I present enough to take this parenting thing to the next level? Am I present enough to take my marriage to the next level or just even my work to the next level or being whoever I'm going to be to the next level? I want to pray for that right now. And then Kelly's going to come up and, and lead an activity for all of us. God, I pray for everyone in this room that we'd be obedient, that we'd be teachable, and that we'd be available to the miracles that you want to do in our lives. God, we ask you to shape us and guide us. We ask you to change us. We ask you to make us better. God, we ask you to help us keep our heads up, to see the obstacles, to see the issues, to see the stuff that's coming our way. God, as dads, we want to identify the problems from a long way off and be able to protect our families. God, will you give us that foresight? God, in our lives right now, if we, uh, if we just feel sick, we know that life isn't all that it should be. God, we are, yes, we want to get well. Lord, right now, if that's us, if that's, that's me, we want to submit our lives to you, Jesus. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen.